Friday, November 22nd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 12 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the Lineup Builder tool at DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at fanshare.sports.com. On Draft Sharks, you can find all of Jared's top picks for playing on DraftKings this weekend. He's got you covered with picks for cash games, GPP lineups. I will add some showdown notes for the Sunday night and Monday night games over the weekend. And come Saturday morning, you can find our lineups for round 12 of the Crown His Ass Challenge. I expect Smola here to head into this weekend with a little bit more fear than usual because I've now knocked him off two straight weeks. We both went down with Kyle Allen, Jared. Playing Calvin Ridley was the big difference in my favor. It hit, hit way bigger than I could have hoped. But I, one change that I have made lately that I feel like is going pretty well is leaning toward high floor wide receivers in my flex spot rather than trying to find um, running backs for there. Yeah, it's worked out the last two weeks. I'll still stick with my running backs in the flex most weeks. Although I will say this week in particular, and we'll talk about it, I think running back is as tough as I can remember it being in a long time. Mm-hmm. So maybe this week it does make sense to play wide receiver in the flex. Um, yeah, Kyle Allen, the, the freaking Falcons defense. I'm I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage if I keep playing uh, guys against the Falcons defense here. So that killed me. And then on the other side, Brian Hill um, was a disappointment, obviously, in that game. Although you know, I still think a guy – at his price, who got 15 carries, three targets, is, you know, not a horrible play. Yeah, I think he's one of those that didn't work out as opposed to just being a mistake. Yeah. We'll both be back at it for Week 12. You'll be able to see who we're playing against each other in the free post for this podcast on DraftSharks.com. For now, Jared, I'm going to let you start us off with a cash quarterback. Who you got? I'm going Baker Mayfield this week. 5900 bucks. I think, makes a lot of sense. Um, he, he's been playing better um he's averaging 18.9 DraftKings points over his last three outings and those games came against denver buffalo and pittsburgh all three of those teams are top 10 quarterback defenses right now based on our adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position now baker has a home game against the dolphins who are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed the Finns have coughed up multiple passing touchdowns in eight of their 10 games this season. They just placed both of their starting safeties on IR. So you know that, that's not going to help any. Um, and the Browns have the second highest implied total of the week at 28.25 points. So, you know, Vegas, Vegas expects them to have one of their better offensive games of the season. I think that the Dolphins were just mad at Rashad Jones for not demanding a trade out of town. <laughs> it makes sense. I certainly like Baker Mayfield at the price. I also like Nick Foles at 5,400. I think we have Nick Foles projected too low this week. We talked about that some on the Thursday show. I'm not calling Nick Foles a safe option. I don't think he's any less safe, though, than Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, Jeff Driscoll in the same range. I don't think he loses to those guys on upside either. It's tough to really know what numbers to expect from Nick Foles. He's only played five quarters this season. He has produced well in those five quarters, but still just five quarters. Overall, though, we've seen the Jacksonville pass offense perform better than we expected, and especially when you consider that it had a sixth-round rookie playing quarterback for most of the season so far. The Jaguars rank 15th in pass offense efficiency, according to Football Outsiders, just 24th 
in rush offense. So maybe they want to get the run game going more, but it sure looks like they're more, they're better equipped to pass at this point. And this week's matchup favors that Tennessee sits fourth in run defense, 22nd in pass defense, only Tampa Bay and the Jets are more imbalanced in favor of the pass than Tennessee is. And when I mean in fate, when I say in favor of, I mean, for what the opponent will do. According to Pro Football Reference, too, Tennessee's three worst defensive performances overall this season have come among the past four games. One of those is against the Chiefs, which makes sense. The other two are against the Chargers and Panthers, not exactly offenses that are torturing opponent defenses. Really, quarterback, though, is way more attractive down in this range from 6,100 down than it was last week on DraftKings. Yeah, I agree. Lots of options. I, I think Carson Wentz is okay at his price. I think Ryan Tannehill in that same game is okay. But, you know, to me, paying a little bit more, you know, a few extra hundred bucks to get up to Baker makes sense. I guess if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> well, I, Nick Foles is just giving me a warm feeling this week. And maybe it's just personal bias and we're still not far enough removed from that Super Bowl <laughs> for me to push that feeling out of my subconscious. And I think there's something to be said for gut calls. I mean, I think, I think those gut calls are always based on something even if you can't exactly pinpoint what it is i hope i i hope personally i don't <laughs> think that it's based on the super bowl it's entirely possible though that i see and hear nick Foles' name and i'm like oh i remember that i wouldn't i would not blame you at all on the tournament side what you got i'm going sam darnold here um 5800 bucks coming off really what was his best game of the season by a lot of metrics he set season highs in quarterback rating and adjusted yards per attempt earned a season high uh, pro football focus passing grade. So I, I like the direction he's heading. Now he's at home for a bad Raiders secondary. It's a 1 p.m. Eastern start. So you have, you know, the West Coast team playing the early game. I always kind of like like attacking that. And the Raiders 23rd in football outsiders pass defense rankings. They're 27th in DK points allowed to the position. And before last week, before they faced Ryan Finley last week, who just can't do anything, um, Oakland had allowed multiple passing scores in six straight games. Yeah, it's tough not to like Sam Darnold here. And and what Sam Darnold did to Washington last week has people playing Jeff Driscoll a lot in DFS this week, at least in projected ownership here, too. So, yeah, Sam Darnold certainly in the mix. I like Nick Foles on the tournament side, too. His projected ownership is under 3% on fan share right now. DJ Shark is at right about 10%, so not too high to play him. So I like that duo. I also like Derek Carr at 6,100. He's just under 2% projected ownership. Tyrell Williams is just under 7%. Tyrell Williams' salary is up $700 because of the matchup. It's certainly not because of his target volume and production lately, but he's still an affordable 5,900. And he's facing a Jets team that has allowed 12 touchdown passes over the past four games, despite facing in that span. Gardner Minshew, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins threw two touchdown passes against them last week. That's a lot for Dwayne Haskins in the Washington offense. The Raiders should have scored four touchdowns against Cincinnati last week. They ended up, you know, barely winning if you look at the score. But in the game, they had a fumble in the red zone. They had another red zone possession where they got pushed back and ended up kicking a field goal. David Carr, not David Carr, crap, Derek Carr. (laughs) has doubled his pass attempts inside the 10-yard line over his past five games versus his first five. So I think a better chance of scores in that range. And we already mentioned the imbalanced defense that's going to favor throwing against them. So I think there's high upside to Derek Carr, high upside to Tyrell Williams this week. Yeah, I, I noticed that Carr projected ownership this morning and actually added him to my list of potential tournament quarterbacks. I, I like this Jets-Raiders game from a fantasy perspective in general. I think, it, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, I agree. 
over to running back where Christian McCaffrey is all the way down at 18th in our DK dollars per point projections this week. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think I'll be playing McCaffrey in cash this week. Um, you know, his price is where it was the past two weeks at 10-5. And I, this is just a tough spot. I mean, going into New Orleans and McCaffrey's not going to bust. He's probably going to give you, you know, 20 to 25 points. But I, I just I, I don't see the ceiling on McCaffrey this week to play him at that price tag. Right. And it's not like we have a low projection on him. He's number two in our running back rankings this week. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to play Alvin Kamara and take those, you know, what is it, $2,300 savings as my, you know, cash game stud running back. Kamara, obviously, at home for that Panthers defense that is dead last against the run, according to Football Outsiders. Carolina's allowed 4.8 yards per carry to running backs this season. And Kamara, you know, he's only carried 17 times in his two games back from those knee and ankle injuries, but he's seen 18 targets over that span and he's played 71 percent of the Saints offensive snap so in this game I think the Saints running backs could you know total 30 carries here so I think Kamara you're going to get 15 to 20 carries out of him plus all that work in the passing game yeah and one of those two games since he returned from the injury was that game where they barely ran the ball because they were shockingly trailing the Falcons by a lot the whole time so they're going to run the ball a lot more than they did in that game unless there's something even more shocking that happens to them this week I don't think there will be. I think there will be lots of rushing volume. I, I agree that Alvin Kamara is the expensive guy to jam in this week. Nice. Philip Lindsay for me in cash at 5,200. Season high playing time last week. His second most carries in a game last week. And efficient running. He was over four yards per carry at Minnesota. Not a matchup that favors running the ball. He was successful in it. This matchup does favor running the ball. Buffalo's ninth against the pass, 27th against the run in Football Outsiders ratings. Buffalo is also 22nd in running back coverage. They are 14th in coverage versus every other position that FO measures. We'll see whether Brandon Allen is not throwing to running backs on purpose or if that's just what happened over the first two games. This week, though, I mean, coaches should be setting him up for throws to the running backs. That's what this matchup favors. And because we haven't gotten big numbers from Philip Lindsay lately, he's projected for just under 10% ownership right now. I think it's a great spot with high upside and a pretty nice floor this week. Yeah, I agree. I, I almost wish he wasn't so cheap because I kind of don't want to use Philip Lindsay on the road in Buffalo, but I, I do agree he's an option for cash. And I do like him for tournaments at that ownership. Make sure that you don't use him in the crown is ass challenge because I want you to be comfortable. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. On the tournament side, are you playing? Uh, how about Zeke Elliott? He, he's at his lowest price of the season at 7500 bucks, and he's still projected for just 9% ownership. You know, I, people are scared of the Patriots matchup, and I, I get it because the Pats have allowed the fewest DraftKings points to running backs this season. That's largely because they've only given up one running back touchdown all year. And, you know, it, it's, it's a good defense. You can't expect, you know, a huge touchdown upside, but I also think it's a bit fluky that they've only given up that one running back touchdown. The Pats have, have given up 5.3 yards per carry to running backs over the last five weeks, though. So to me, it makes sense for the Cowboys to go into this game making Zeke the focal point of the offense. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had a big game. The, the Pats have allowed 131 yards to Nick Chubb and 115 yards to Mark Ingram over the past few games. Yeah, I have the same guy down. And in addition to those, they allowed 100 to Frank Gore earlier this season. Zeke Elliott's down $1,500 in salary versus his last time out. And really, there's little reason for the Patriots to change things up and try to shut down Zeke this week because it's going to hurt him a lot more if Dallas is successful throwing the ball than if it's successful you know, running with Ezekiel Elliott. He can have 25 carries for 100 yards, and that's you know four per carry against him if they let that happen. 
if they do lock down the receivers as well, the way that I think we're expecting them to, we could see more target volume for Ezekiel Elliott than usual in this game as well. They've got the 100-yard bonus on DraftKings. Every reception is going to help him more here than it will on FanDuel. So I, I agree, Ezekiel Elliott's just a, a nice play here when you put all of those pieces together. Yep, exactly. At wide receiver, what are you playing for cash? Uh, Odell Beckham. Again, I'm, I'm attacking this Dolphins matchup. I mean, we just saw John Brown in this spot last week. You know, we expected Brown to get primary coverage from Nick Needham. He did. Brown went off for 37.7 DraftKings points. He, he led the entire slate, all positions in DraftKings points last week. I love John Brown, but Odell Beckham is a much better receiver. Um, I, I still think he has the better quarterback, too. And Odell Beckham, he's just trending towards a big game, I think. You know, He just missed on that touchdown on Thursday night against the Steelers. They ruled him in originally, and then you know, uh, replay showed that he was down at the you know one-yard line or whatever it was. But Beckham's ninth among all wide receivers and targets over the last four games. He's seventh in air yards. He's seen 22 targets over the past two games now. So, you know, Baker... Is feeding him, trying to get him going. I just think that's this sets up as a big Odell Beckham game. Can't argue with that. I'm having trouble getting away from DJ Moore though. Still at 6,400 bucks, mm-hmm. he's up 500 dollars in salary from last week, but he still sits sixth in our DK dollars per point projections. Five guys ahead of him: Devontae Parker, Odell Beckham. Three players at 3,500 or less in salary. I think Moore is at least as safe as Parker and Beckham. And I, you know, anytime we say safe on here. It's with air quotes around it because it's fantasy football and nothing's safe. DJ Moore is $600 less than Odell Beckham in salary. I think that matters more on DraftKings for salary building than it does on FanDuel mm-hmm. where pricing is a little bit tighter. So I'll take that savings. And with more, I mean, we've got eight plus targets, five plus catches in six straight games. Over that six game span, he's averaging 10 and a half targets, seven receptions, 86.3 yards per game. Carolina is a a tougher, it's a tougher matchup than usual here. And New Orleans limited Mike Evans last week, Mm -hmm. but it's also a tougher rushing matchup where I don't know if they'll be able to get it going on the ground. I don't personally trust the Saints plan for shutting down DJ Moore the same way that it did Mike Evans. And I mean, Carolina is not quite as concentrated on offense as Tampa Bay. So I'm not even sure New Orleans will employ the same plan. Plus, They're heavy road underdogs here, so there's a chance that we get 40, 45 pass attempts. Yeah, and it sounds like Marshawn Lattimore is going to be out again, right? Yeah. Yeah, which which that helps. I mean, I I worry about Kyle Allen going into the Superdome, but I think the volume that DJ Moore has been seeing makes him a pretty safe bet. Yeah, and I think because it's a volume play and not necessarily an upside play, I'll play DJ Moore in cash and I'll forget about him on the tournament side. Yeah, that makes sense. What about a tournament wide receiver for you? Um, you already talked about him, Tyrell Williams. I think, you know, use him with Derek Carr, use him with Sam Darnold as, you know, a game stack. But the volume hasn't been great lately, just 19 targets in his last four games. But this seems like a spot where, you know, one, the Raiders should throw more than they have been. And two, they should be attacking these, you know, Jets perimeter corners. Um, the, the Jets have allowed the fourth most fantasy points per game to left wide receivers and the ninth most fantasy points per game to right wide receivers. Tyrell has run about 80% of his routes on the outside. So, you know, it sets up as a great spot for him. He has the big play upside. He still has the touchdown upside. I mean, he's on what he's on a four game scoreless drought now, I think, but he scored in the first five games to open the season and he's projected at just 6.7% ownership. Yeah. And of those 12 touchdown passes that the Jets have allowed over the past four games that I mentioned before, 10 of those went to wide receivers, three straight opponents before Washington last week threw three plus touchdowns, two wideouts alone. So it's a great spot for Tyrell Williams. I agree. 
A cheaper guy I want to mention to help us fit in the higher price guys that we like, Chris Conley at 4100 bucks. There are some options down in the 3K range, but I like Connolly at least as much as anybody down there and probably more. Eight, seven, seven, and eight targets over the past four weeks for him. He led Jaguars receivers last week in playing time, which is the first game with Nick Foles back. And he's basically unowned in fan share projections. Chris Connolly's under 1%. I mean, I'm not saying that he's a an exciting option as a standalone guy, but when you put together the 4,100, the case that I tried building before for Jacksonville's passing upside in this game, you know, their road underdogs. I think he's a strong option this week. You were all in on the Jags passing game, huh? It seems that way. <laughs> Plus, they were once they were once teammates as Chiefs, weren't they? Nick Foles was a Chief for a little bit, wasn't he? Or did he yes, that is true. All right. Sweet. I just pulled that out. <laughs> all right. Tight end, who are you playing for Cat? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's been rough at tight end all season. It's especially rough this week. I'm going to go cheap. I think there are a few other options, but I, I prefer Vance McDonald at 3500 bucks. Uh, he's seen seven targets now in three straight games. And now with Juju Smith-Schuster out, I think you know, Vance is a good bet for at least that much volume, maybe a few extra targets. Bengals are 31st in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings. Opposing tight ends are catching 74% of their targets against Cincinnati and averaging 13.2 yards per catch. So you factor in the matchup, the volume, and the price on Vance McDonald. I think he's a pretty good bet. I, I totally agree with him as a pick there. Not just Juju, but James Conner likely being out right. frees up targets as well, a bunch of targets. So I, I certainly think the target ceiling goes higher. The production hasn't been great, but at 3,500, we don't need a whole lot from him here. And a touchdown absolutely makes his day. On the tourney side, I'll throw it to Benjamin Watson. At 3100 bucks, Dallas is providing the second largest scoring boost to tight ends among any defense playing this week, behind only Tampa Bay and well ahead of number three Oakland on that list. Watson has played 70 plus percent of the snaps in every game so far with the Patriots. He's on the field as a run blocker. That means he's there for red zone snaps. He has seen two targets inside the 10 yard line already through his four games. Hasn't scored on either of those, so it doesn't, you know, it hasn't raised his scoring profile. Has caught three or more passes in three of his four games. So he's been quietly involved. It doesn't take a big leap from there to get him more involved this week and to add upside in a spot that favors throwing to the tight end. Yeah, I'm really waiting to see on these Patriots wide receivers injuries. I mean, if if Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett are out, I think that makes Watson a really interesting play. What about you, fraternity? Jared Cook is projected for just 3% ownership. I mean, I, I know he only saw two targets last week, but he scored on one of them. He also saw 10 targets the week before, so I, I, you know that that's still within his range of outcomes. I, I just think in this spot, you know, the Saints have the highest implied total of the week at 28 and a half points. I just think Cook is as good a touchdown bet as any tight end that you could play this week. So you know, for a reasonable price tag, 4,500 bucks, three percent ownership, I, I think he he's a strong tournament option. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Over at Flex, I've got some wide receivers in my view again. Devontae Parker at 5,200, I think, makes sense here. Zach Ertz at 6,000. I mean, I don't love him at tight end, but when you start comparing him to the other running backs, wide receivers in the range of that price tag, I think he makes more sense. 11 targets, 9 catches in each of the past two games. Jarvis Landry, 6,300. DJ Chark, 64. Jamison Crowder, 62. Calvin Ridley, 65. I think, you know... Those guys, it's a little bit more expensive than I would like to go. But if you're comparing them to the running backs in the same price range, I like those uh, pass catchers. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said at the top, it, it's pretty rough at running back. I mean, I, I do think Philip Lindsay makes sense as, at a flex. Um, I think Miles Sanders, I'd consider going back to him if Jordan Howard is out. Um, 5000 bucks for Miles Sanders. He played 85% of the snaps last week. And then I think Darius Geis at 4700 Bo Scarborough at 4200 are options. And then two super cheap wide receivers I wanted to throw out there. Nikhil Harry, who again, you know, I think he, he'd need at least one of Sanu or Dorsett to be out. And it, it seems like Sanu is going to be out. We'll see about Dorsett. But Harry played 43% of the Pats offensive snaps in his debut last week. Saw four targets. So I, you know, I expect his role to grow, especially if those wide receivers are out. I like Tim Patrick too, at the bare minimum, 3000 bucks. He made his debut last week, played 72% of the Broncos snaps, saw 20% target share. And this week we're going to have Tredavious White shadowing Cortland Sutton. So I, I think, you know, you're going to have Tim Patrick with a much better matchup against Levi Wallace. And I think that could, you know, feed him another five to eight targets. Yeah, I could see that Tim Patrick popped at the top of our DK dollars per point when I was yeah. looking at the lineup generator this morning. Also down in that low range, Alshon Jeffrey, if his ankle's ready to go, he's 4,900 bucks. It would be a tournament only play for me because, you know, the, the ankle adds risk and he mm-hmm. sucked the last time he actually played a full game. But in a tournament, he does have upside in the matchup with Seattle. And Curtis Samuel, kind of similar, 5,400. I don't love him overall, but in a tournament, when I'm comparing him to running backs that are down in that range, there's definitely upside to him because he's the kind of player who could take one of his four catches for a touchdown. Yeah, if you're if you're an air yards believer, you know Samuel continues to be near the top of the league in air yards. He's just not converting those into actual yards at this point. All right. <laughs> On defense, what are you playing? Um, I think my cheap defense for cash this week is going to be the Broncos at 2400 bucks. I know Josh Allen's coming off, you know, maybe his best game as a pro, but it came against the Dolphins. You know, I, I'm not going to not going to suddenly be worried about playing defenses against Josh Allen. He still turned the ball over 16 times through 10 games this season. And this Broncos defense is good. I mean, Football Outsiders has them ninth in overall DVOA. They're also among the top 10 in points allowed and yards allowed, yards per play allowed. And this Broncos-Bills game, you know, it has a 37.5 point over under. I'm confident it's going to be a low-scoring, pretty ugly game. So I think that gives the Broncos defense a pretty high floor. Is there a quarterback that people are more up and down on than (laughs) Josh Allen? I mean, I'm always down on him, so I'm on the wrong guy to ask. It seems like when he has a bad game, they're like, oh, see, God, this guy is just not a quarterback. And then when he has a good game, no matter who it's against, especially when it's against the Dolphins, it's like, see, he's getting better and better. And you guys just don't want to believe in him. I I, I agree with you on Denver. 2,400, it's kind of the starting point defense. You know, a fine matchup, a solid floor. Denver's been a good defense overall. It seems to have gotten better as the season has gone on. And there's always turnover upside against Josh Allen. Uh, you need to get up to the Saints mm-hmm. at 3300 I think to actually find a truly attractive defense. So if the money's left, I'll be happy to go up there and and I'm fine just staying right there with the Saints at 3300 or the Falcons at 3500. I it would be tough for me to play the Falcons at $200 more than the Saints because I still think the Saints defense is better. I wish the Bengals were at 1500 bucks cuz I'd play the Bengals at home for Mason Rudolph if they were down there, but they're they're not cheap enough. I agree. I have the Saints as my tournament option here. Um, you know, they they are a bit cheaper than the other high-end defenses and they're not projected to be too highly owned. So, you know, at at home big favorites against Kyle Allen, I think there's a ton of upside there. 
Yeah, Pittsburgh at 4,000 and Cincinnati at 2,100 are the only two defenses that are currently projected for double-digit ownership on Fanshare. I mean, you you can't play the Bengals at 2,100 when you can get Denver for 2,400. I, I agree with that. That's going to do it for this Week 12 edition of our DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to read all of Jared's top picks for playing on DK this weekend. Check out our full Week 12 rankings, and then mess around with the Lineup Builder tool where you can find DK dollars per point projections, ceiling projections, and customizable strategy options. Check back Saturday morning to see who we're playing against each other in the Crown is Ass Challenge. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftCharts. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 